You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw to a looking. Flips it downfield wide open. <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Just flew by him for a second time. Doing to where he was going right away. How the hit is that little man? What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, a Thanksgiving special episode of the Draft Time Podcast. We're going to hear from former Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. Caroline is here in the house. Say hi. Hi. She's here with me right now. We're going to also pick the Week 12 games. We will also hear from assistant coaches and Mike McDaniel from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. Let's go ahead and get to my guest today, the great Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Wednesday before Thanksgiving is a tradition unlike any other, and I can't imagine anybody I'd rather go back to my local bar with than former Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitz, you are looking as quaffed as ever, my friend. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> I'm doing great, thank you. Yeah, I was getting poured on last night in New York City, so the hair still got some water in it. I always tell you this every time I see each other, that I think that your beard gets all the attention, but the hair up top is, is what really steals the show. So that's my intro every single time we do this podcast together. Um, pivoting here to Thanksgiving, the Dolphins gifted their employees the annual pies last, last night, and I cracked into mine ahead of Thanksgiving for the Hard Knocks episode of uh, the Dolphins pr- premiere down here. And I'll just say an elite key lime pie to me is unstoppable. Fitz, you once made headlines talking about a different dessert, birthday cakes, but I'll give you the chance here to do it again with Thanksgiving dessert. What's your go-to turkey day dessert? So I'm not I'm not a key lime guy. I'm just not. I don't know why, but I uh, I don't know if I'm people pecan or pecan, but I'm going to go I'm going to go with pecan pie. That is my absolute favorite. Uh, my grandma made a great one. And, you know, my my birthday's coming up on Friday, the day of the game. Oh, okay. And so before we left, we had a Thanksgiving. Um, and so we did the turkey. We did a few desserts. Uh, but that's always my request. So on Thanksgiving the other day, I got a pecan pie. and It was unbelievable. Uh, but that's definitely my go-to. That's a new twist I haven't heard yet. I know Friendsgiving, but Fakesgiving is a new one for me. Uh, us too. We, my kids came up with the name, but I thought it was pretty good. I, I like frying a turkey every year, and you know we're gonna we're in the city. We're gonna do uh, Thanksgiving somewhere else, so I still wanted the opportunity to fry the bird. So that's why we put it on there. Well, it sounds like a fun little tradition for you guys, but also a little bit of twist being up in, in New York, obviously. And happy birthday, my friend. Was not aware of that, so happy birthday. Coming up. Yeah, I'm getting old. Jeez. <laughs> I just told someone the other day I'm the same age as Teron Armstead, and they that, that like blew them up, blew them away for some reason. I'm not really sure why, but I feel you, man. I'm approaching that that 40 mark as well myself. So I mentioned Hard Knocks uh, just a minute ago, and the episode they covered another fun new tradition there, where Coach Campanelli, our linebackers coach, who you know, uh, and the turnover cakes. Speaking of Hard Knocks, Fitz, I, I mentioned this to you before. I think one of my favorite Hard Knocks moments of all time 
was you evaluating a speech from Bucks quarterback Jameis Winston. Like I, yeah. I thought it was just fit his character perfectly and fit your character perfectly the way they got that moment there on, on camera. What do you remember most about being on hard knocks with the Bucks that year? Uh, so that moment definitely went viral, <laughs> but you know, the thing, the thing I'll say, uh, hard knocks does a great job. They're, they're there, but, uh, they do a great job of not getting in the way. They do a great job of presenting it the way that it should be presented. You know, I think you always go into that as a player, a little bit worried about, you know, the access that they have and the things are going to show and what it's going to make you look like, but. They do a really, really great job. Um, so I was really impressed with their staff. And, uh, you know, you end up becoming friends with them because you're seeing them every day, uh, seeing them in the meal room and everything else. But I, I walked away from it very impressed by the way that they operate. Uh, and then, you know, just the fact that it, it wasn't in your face, uh, you kind of get comfortable with it because, you know, they're around and they're they're trying to do right by you as well. So. That's impressive because you were with them for what, I guess, five weeks. And now it's going to be the whole season, hopefully into a deep playoff run here for these dolphins and, you know, hard knocks, I'll call it the green bean casserole of this interview. While very good. The main attraction is still, of course, the bird or the ham, depending on what you go with. Are you a ham or turkey guy? No, we're, we're definitely a turkey family. We'll, we'll do a ham on Christmas, but definitely a turkey family. Makes a lot of sense. Tua put the media's feet to the fire at his press conference this week, saying that ham and pineapple is the way to go. Kind of fitting for a, a kid from Hawaii, but uh, no one really knew about the Hawaii or the uh, the pineapple ham mix there. Have you ever gone that way? I haven't. I mean, my wife's favorite pizza is the ham and pineapple, and I just can't. I just, <laughs> I just can't do it. Um, love Tua. If, if I was to go to Tua's house for Thanksgiving, I'd be on board. But if he came to mine, I think we'd have to do the fried turkey. That's classic. I'm a big pepperoni pineapple guy, so I love it too. I'm with your wife on the pizza idea. I know most folks disagree with that, but um, good company there. Maybe maybe you chose well. But Dolphins and Jets coming up here on Friday. First, I, I wanted you to give me your 10,000-foot view. Two teams you played for here and played very well for late in your career, facing off in a spotlight game with the entire nation watching. I'm so fired up, like I mentioned to you, Fitz. I love Jets week. It's my favorite week of the year. How fired up are you for this game on Friday? I mean, it is awesome. And for us at Amazon, this is like a, a new holiday is what we're looking at it as this black Friday game. I mean, we found another space where the NFL could squeeze the game in, uh, why it hasn't been on this day yet. It's surprising, but the synergies with Amazon being in New York city, uh, I think we're really fired up to put this on and it's going to be, you know, for us, the pregame show halftime post game, uh, there's going to be great deals. Uh, there's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a little bit of talking about football, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a great game. Uh, it's a great new holiday. I think we're starting. Um, the Jets, you know, I, I think it starts at quarterback. You know, we've got to talk about that a little bit. You know, they, they finally decided to make a change from Zach Wilson. Uh, they've, they've been in a tough spot all year. I mean, their defense has been uh, absolutely lights out all year. Um, so, you know, that – as the season wears on, the divide in the locker room, when you have one side of the ball is outperforming the other side of the ball, you know, and you feel like the offense has been holding them back. That's something I'm always interested in seeing, that dynamic, because uh, their defense has been great this year. With Miami, it seems like, you know, the narrative of, well, they haven't beat any good teams yet. Uh, and when they don't play good teams, they blow them out. When they play the good teams, they can't get over the hump. 
Um, this is a great defense. And the Jets, aside from last week, what Josh Allen did to them, uh, they've really had the number of all these great quarterbacks. They, they've done a great job all year. So um feel like Miami's offense has slowed down a little bit. Um, you know, the run game hasn't been as dynamic. I, I don't know what the status of Achan is, but you know, he'll be a huge boost for them coming back. But it just comes down to can you stop Tyreek Hill? I, I mean, wow. It, it's I the consistency that he has shown all year. And it's just, you know, it's it's plays like that first touchdown last week where he catches the ball. There's four guys around him. And somehow he, more than anybody in the league, has the ability to turn on the Jets and just go and score. Uh, I can't wait to see him play. I can't wait to see Tua. I know Tua's got a new hairstyle. You know, I'm a little confused at, but I can't wait to see him and talk to him about that. So there's a lot of things I'm pumped about uh, going into this game. I could do a full 30-minute podcast with you and Tua just talking about hair alone. That would be great to me. So you mentioned you mentioned the Jets quarterback situation, and that's kind of something I want to follow up on there because you've been in both situations, right, where you've come off the field and come into the game and really sparked a team and rejuvenated, you know, life into an offense that maybe previously didn't have that life. What do you think that the Jets are experiencing right now as they pivot to a quarterback who hasn't seen a lot of action in this league on a short week against a good team like Miami? Yeah, well, and that's the other thing. It's Miami's defense has been playing great. They're really the big Fangio style. You know, with Jalen Ramsey back, I think they're they're starting to really figure it out. So this isn't going to be an easy game for a young quarterback to step into. Um, you know, it's hard. The quarterback position, when you get to a point where you know, he's got a great defense and basically the narrative is, okay, just don't turn the ball over and, you know, don't put your defense in bad spots and we're going to be fine. A lot of times you get too conservative. Um, so, you know, for this Jets offense, it's been a huge struggle. And if you look at some of the stats, uh, you know, amount of, amount of time, I think, you know, the, the scoring drives, the drought that they've had, um, they haven't had the ability to take the ball and for 10 or 12 plays, um, bring it down and put a touchdown on the end zone. So um, if I'm them, I'm talking about how do we generate the big plays and you can't be conservative. When you have a chance to take a shot, it doesn't matter if it's Jalen Ramsey or Xavier Howard. You've got to put the ball down the field because it had such a hard time sustaining drives. Um, but I think there's probably a little bit of optimism just because it's something new. Yeah. You've got a new quarterback. You know, there's some intrigue, some interest. How is it going to be different? But um, it's been really bad on that side of the football this year for the Jets. Yeah, and then to your point, it impacts the defense, too, because they're going back out there after those three and outs, right? And it's just consistently being put in spots where you have to get critical stops time and time again. It can wear you down, I'm sure, on that side of the football. On the other side, the Dolphins offense, you know, we talked in May for the schedule release. We talked about Tua in the first year of Mike McDaniel, how impressed you were by the way they had put together, you know, a relationship and really kind of taken off in that first season together. Now with 10 games into the second year in this offense, his first time having the same play caller in back-to-back years since high school, what have you seen in terms of Tua's growth and just the overall status of where he is with his game right now? Yeah, it's been awesome. And I'm really excited, I'm really excited to see it because he's been so consistent. And I think first and foremost, the health of Tua, like he's been very healthy. He's been able to avoid the hits. He's getting the ball out. Um, that stuff has all been really good. But he's such a great quarterback when he throws in the rhythm. You know, and we've seen that for the last two years now 
when he hits that back foot and the ball is coming out, he has some special weapons. And, and this offense said it time and time again, but it's tailor made for him because it's a rhythm offense. It's hitting these guys on the in breaking routes and letting them catch the ball and run with it. So, um, you know, it's also a reason why Brock Purdy's playing so great in San Francisco is because he's so good at anticipation and throwing the football accurately and on time. So great for Tua. You know, this this is going to be a tough challenge for him, you know, because this defense is really good. They're going to try to get after him. They rush the passer really well. Um, you know, it's going to be more the same for Tua. You know, can he make those quick decisions? Can he put a ball in Tyreek's hands or Waddle's hands? Are they going to be able to catch and run and go? But everybody in the league is afraid of those two and their speed. Uh, and Tua does a great job of getting involved in the offense. That's a great little transition to this next question I wanted to ask you here too, because Fitz, you know, when I was, you know, before I got to the team, your first year with the Dolphins, I was doing analysis for a different, uh, you know, publication. And when I put your tape on, like, man, you balled for the Bucks when you were with them. Then you came down to South Florida and had a really good 2019 season as well, where anticipation throws and throwing into spots and just these really high level processing type of actions. And you played so fast, so aggressive, so confident when you were here. I'm wondering you know, because you just talked about Tua's processing and decision-making and all that stuff, how does processing for a quarterback become, maybe not easier is the term, but I guess more second nature as you begin to rack up years of experience and multiple reps? Like, do you feel like late in your career that you were just a better player because of you'd seen a lot more? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, confidence is always a big thing too. And I think you know, Tua is riding high right now with his confidence. And Mike McDaniel's done a great job of that and trying to, allow him to regain and find that. But for me, I think the later I got in my career, it wasn't, you know, after the ball was snapped, how fast could I get through my uh, progressions? It was more before the ball was snapped, what can I cancel out? What, where do I know the ball's not going? And once I figured that little tidbit out um, and was able to, you know, let's say on every play, you've got five guys that you can throw the ball to, and I'm able to eliminate two guys from that so because I can say, look, defense isn't great for these two guys, but I love these three guys. I think once I figured out that and before I had the ball in my hand, I was already able to only have, you know, two or three guys that had the opportunity to get the ball. Um, that was when I really started processing fast. And the other thing for me that everywhere I went was always, um, you know, I was talking about earlier in this, but giving guys chances. You know, I, I when I came to Miami, Devontae Parker, I'm sitting there scratching my head, like, how has this guy not been, you know, a thousand yard receiver every year? He's so great with the 50 50 ball. Mike Kosicki, you know, was a guy, it was like, how, how has he caught, not caught more passes down the field? And so trying to unlock the confidence in those guys has always been a big part of um, where I've been in my game. And uh, man, I, that makes me smile because I loved, I love my time in Miami uh, thinking about those guys and uh, got my old, my old gear on right here. But, Tell you what, when I'm when I go and now as an analyst, but I, I go to these games and I get to see, you know, the players, it's great. But I mean, the equipment guys, the trainers, like I, I'm so excited to see the staff on Miami because these are some of my best friends in the world. I was gonna say I recognize the travel gear anytime I see it, so I'm glad to see you rocking that right now in New York City. Pretty cool to uh, to rep that uh, on a Dolphins Jets game week for us here. And you mentioned Devonte Parker. They're like, I think. 
I think it was at the Giants. You had a, a, like a 25-yard touchdown pass to him that was one of the like just the prettiest touchdowns I've seen in a, a Miami Dolphins game ever where you threw up the seam and like you let that thing go before he was even off the press at the line of scrimmage. And man, it was fun to watch. 1,200 yards for him that year, like you mentioned, you know, after not having a 1,000-yard season prior to that. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Trent Green on the podcast last week, Fitz. Uh, so apologies for redundancies here for the audience, but I think that it would be a miss to not ask you this as well. It's a hypothetical. So you're 28 years old again, whatever, whatever you consider the prime of your career. We talked about how good you were in your, in your late thirties, but maybe you want to go back to yeah, probably, times. No, no, 30, I'm 37. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so the hypothetical is you just found out you're right where you want to be in your pro career. And you found out you're going to be quarterbacking a Mike McDaniel offense. What would your reaction to that be just in terms of how excited you are about getting to work with, with coach as a quarterback? Well, I'd have to work through the Harvard Yale thing. First <laughs> off, you know, that, that would be a big sticking point for us. I'm actually going to avoid him before the game. Cause Yale did just beat Harvard. Um, <laughs> definitely will be avoiding him. Um, I've seen he's pretty fast though. Uh, I, I would be so fired up. I, I think, you know, all quarterbacks watching the success that two has had the last two years, the amount that his coach believes in him, uh, and for me, the quirkiness, like I, I think I get a kick out of just like a lot of other people do is press conferences and the way he carries himself. And it's just so different from and refreshing from a lot of the head coaches that you've seen and, and that I've played for. But um, his his ability to marry up the run game with the play action, with the pass game uh, is awesome. It looks like a master class every week. And so I would be so fired up. Um, you know, if I ever had that opportunity to do that the last couple of years, I'm telling you people, every game, somebody gets her, Hey, you coming back? I am retired. I'm so happy. <laughs> 17 years was enough. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm loving life right now. And, uh, but that would have, that would have been a great opportunity at some point. Yeah. It feels like a, a, like a buddy cop movie or something. You and him hanging out together would be perfect. The Harvard Yelp thing. I didn't even think about that. So it's a great connection there. Uh, good on you for for acknowledging that and, and the fact that you have to avoid him despite the fact that he could chase you down like he did on that great Sunday night football run back to the locker room a few weeks back. Ryan Fitzpatrick, my guest here on the Drive Time Podcast. A couple of questions about the defense for the Dolphins here. We talked about it earlier, but just curious when you plug the tape on or watch this team play, like Jalen Ramsey came back three games ago and they averaged just allowing 14 points per game in the game since he returned. How does his presence change what Coach Fangio and that zone heavy, you know, light box defense and all the things that he does that really well across, you know, a long football career. How does Ramsey really help this defensive scheme go to the next level? I, I think he really helps the scheme just because he's an all pro type player, but I think he elevates everybody. I mean, from last week at the beginning of that football game, Xavier Howard, it just seemed like he was really into it. He was really engaged. He was making tackles and hits behind the line of scrimmage. Um, I think his presence elevates everybody. And Andrew Whitworth, um, who I work with, you know, Thursday night football with the Amazon prime stuff. He, Andrew told me a lot of great stories about Jalen in LA and his presence and his leadership and how much he demands out of himself and how much he demands out of everybody else. So his presence in the building, he was hurt, you know, how he was in meetings and, uh, all that stuff. You know, I've heard great things and with Miami in the position they're in to get him, and all of a sudden for that defense to flip a switch, uh, they're playing at a high level right now. And I think a lot of that is due to Jalen Ramsey's return and his presence in the lineup. I think that elevates everybody else's game. I'm not sure I've seen a, a person more 
singularly focused than Jalen Ramsey is. He is all ball all the time. It's fun to watch and it's fun to be around. Just a real quick follow-up on the defense here real quick, because you've played against the Spangio defense a few times in your career. They One of the principles is light boxes that allow them to get more guys into coverage and they can get after the quarterback with four. They can defend the run with, with those guys as well. And David Long, a big part of that, Jerome Baker in the middle. And of course, you know, Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, like these guys, this is a very good front seven. And they, they these guys play a lot of snaps as well. How does this personnel allow Miami to play that style of defense because of the players I just talked about? Two of my favorite guys in the world. He just mentioned Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer. Um, you know, Zach has been so amazing for Miami. It was nice to see him get the new deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just, you know, these guys play fast, they play tough, and it really thinks, it really seems like, especially on the back end, that they're starting to understand the principles of this defense. Um, so it makes it tough on a quarterback. And another thing you got to remember when you have an offense that's scoring points, all of a sudden this feeds into Fangio's defense a little bit too. And we've got a team that's trying to play catch up and they know they've got to score because they're watching Tyreek and Waddle run all over the field and you see that scoreboard getting lit up uh, puts a lot more pressure on the opposing quarterback. And, and again, that just kind of feeds into the way he likes to play his defenses. So big game here on Friday, Ryan Patrick, my guest coming up uh, on Black Friday up in the Meadowlands, Dolphins at Jets. One last question here for you, Fitz. A lot of people are going to be picking the Dolphins in this one. So my question to you is how do the Jets challenge the Dolphins and make this a tighter contest with a divisional matchup on the road? Obviously, some of those factors go into the Jets, but how do they hang around this game and make it close to the very end? Yeah, I mean, I think the amazing thing about the NFL is you get these divisional matchups. You know, crazy things always seem to happen. Even, you know, looking back last week with the Rams in Seattle, it's like it just these games are always closer than you think they're going to be. And, you know, they're going to rely on a lot of obviously great defense, and big plays from their defense, creating some turnovers, maybe scoring on defense, scoring on special teams. I think we're going to see the trickery. I mean, they've got nothing to lose at this point, right? The, it's, it's dangerous when you're playing a team that has absolutely nothing to lose. And I think that's the point in the season that the Jets are at. So um, we make our picks every week. Right now, I think I know I'm sitting up on top of the panel. I think I'm eight and one. Uh, I can't tell you who I'm going to pick because I know that Whitworth, who's on my heels, is going to be watching your podcast. So I'm sure he's a huge fan. But uh, I'm going to keep my pick to myself right now. Um, but very much looking forward to the game. Hey, your sweatshirt says it all, my friend. No, I'm just kidding. We won't put you in the spot like that. But uh, no, very good stuff. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy soon-to-be birthday here, Ryan Fitzpatrick. You can find him on the pregame show on Friday on Amazon, halftime, postgame as well. Hopefully some Dolphins up on that panel with you guys after the fact from MetLife. Fitz, it's always a pleasure, man. Keep killing it. Love you in this new industry and in this new walk of life. We'll see you down the line, my friend. Thank you. Well, audio on that wasn't great, but the content was, right? Very happy to talk to Ryan Fitzpatrick. So gracious of him to take time out of his vacation right now with his family. He's up in New York with the entire Fitzpatrick family uh, before Friday's game up in New York. So appreciate his time here on the show. Always makes time for us here with the Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and take our first break right here deep into the podcast. And it's going to be a long one today, but we only have a few episodes this week, so I don't feel too bad about it. We are going to come back on the other side, give you my thoughts on Hard Knocks. We'll also hear from Fangio, Frank Smith, Mike McDaniel, Tua Tungavailoa, all that next Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. So we all watched Hard Knocks on Tuesday, right? 
yeah, you did. You're not listening to this podcast and you didn't watch Hard Knocks. Come on, don't lie to me. It dropped on Tuesday. The first thing I wanted to touch on is just the reception of it because seeing all you guys on social raving about it, my friends who are also fans of the Finns texting me, telling me they're all in on how pumped they are about this episode and this team. And look, for someone like me, like you guys, it's a can't miss, right? You're not going to get that type of access to the team and think it's anything less than awesome. What I loved the most was the conversations on the practice field because that's the most like inside football you're going to get in any capacity, and it was just really cool to see Mike hyping the guys up, the no-look pass reaction, the Max Crosby, Quentin Bell role, which, by the way, Tua thanking Quentin for nudging him and bumping him every time he goes past him is hilarious. Gets hit. Thank you, sir. May I have another? I thought Coach Camp stole the show. In fact, we're going to do top three MVPs of the episode. He'll be in there. What's funny about the intensity he brought there was that you won't find a better person in a more, like, kind of reserved personality when he's just talking to you on the building. Camp's the kind of guy that asks you how the family's doing, how are you feeling, how's your week been? He just cares, and we love him for that. I thought Mike's opening speech was outstanding, and isn't that just fitting Like, as, in terms of who he is? Because people always ask me, you know, I'll do radio spots, or I did a show for NFL UK last week. They always ask me, what's Mike like? What's it like working in this building with Mike McDaniel in charge? And I always just go back to the well of he is the genuine article, He encourages everybody to be themselves from QB1 to the stupid podcast guy back here on the other side of the building. Be you and we'll have our most success through you being your authentic self. I really, really, really liked the accounting of the days, practices, games left, even though it was a little bit sobering because you realize that we only have 47 days left until the playoffs and then like it goes by so fast from there. And then it's back to watching baseball, which I love baseball, but it ain't football. Uh, What else? The offensive line dinner was outstanding. I knew we'd get laughs if Rob Jones got his beautiful face on the screen, and that happened in about two seconds, eating that tiny little burger. Awesome to see Teron Armstead's leadership on display like that. I kept on saying throughout the show to my wife, oh, that's one of my favorite people in the world right there. And she's like, you said that about everyone on the show so far. What can I say? This is a building full of likable people. Kendall Lamb. (laughs) Yeah, if you heard the Wednesday podcast, wait, Tuesday podcast talking about the Jets, Kendall, you and I, Kindred spirits, my friend. I love Kendall Lamb. I also loved Wes Welker marveling at both Tyreek's speed and Tua's anticipation with that one big hitter they had in practice. In fact, I clipped the audio. He let that go at the hash. That shit was crazy. And you caught it like damn near inside edge of the numbers. But yes, listen to Steven Ruiz tell you about Tua's skill set, right? Yeah, I think, I think Wes Welker, I might take his word first. I thought the Tyreek at home stuff was really good. First, I like that they went to him first because if anybody can handle this distraction or, you know, quote unquote distraction, it's definitely him. But hearing him talk about his experience and maturity as he approaches his late 20s, he's made some mistakes, right? But it sounds like he's got, a, you know, his, his kind of situation in terms of where he wants to be and the man he wants to be figured out. And that's kind of cool. I thought it was cool they showed him catching damn near the same route if not the exact same route that he scored the touchdown on in practice. Uh, also, the, those 25-yard far hash comebacks or out routes that he was throwing that I raved about on the All-22 podcast. It was cool to see that in practice and then, of course, in the game. And then, of course, just how 
he's different, man. Like the hand was bothering him. Hell, Kyle Johnston, head athletic trainer, putting the splint on his hand saying, I'm glad you're built different. Like, thanks for doing that for me. That's all I can say, man. He's just different. Shout out to the starring role for Vera Halim, uh, our outstanding communications department over here. And she is a big part of that. Not a lot of people can challenge Tyreek like that. And she's just one of them. Like, though she's 100% right. 146 yards and a touchdown is not exactly not doing ish. Tyreek uh, loved him saying... Tyreek, that is. We never know Tua's next move. Speaking of Tua, politeness personified, eh? My goodness. And then my penultimate note here, I just loved his leadership after the game going with all the skill guys, all the defensive guys saying, I need to be better, telling the defense you guys carried the day today. You can just see the way his teammates feel about him, and it's been obvious to us for a long time. Hopefully, y'all get a better look at that now. Uh, Christian Wilkins winning dance, like had to put that in there. Marino after the game, gosh, just so, so good. And finally, a tip of the cap to NFL films, the pictures, the visuals, they're just stunning. How can you not love all the highlights they showed you? The edit was great and the facility, the stadium, South Florida, constant stunning visuals. I am so pumped for the show. We have at least seven more weeks, I think 10 or 11 more weeks personally. And like coach said, they are just documenting the season and hopefully it's a special one that we can all look back on with this type of access as a very, very memorable year. Just think if you go and accomplish what we all want to accomplish this year, if Hard Knocks was here for that and the access you'd have to it, pretty fun opportunity. Hopefully the football gods work out in that way. Let's go ahead and move next to the sound bites of the week and the game picks in the third segment. That's next, the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. We're going to hear from Tua, McDaniel, Smith, and Fangio here. Let's go ahead and start with Tua because the short week in the NFL always fascinates me, especially with how, and you'll hear this from Coach McDaniel, how regimented these guys are. And it's very, very much your same schedule every single week, routine, routine, routine. And so when you throw that off, it changes things. So I ask QB1, how much more challenging is it to prepare when you don't have as many live reps on the practice field? It is more challenging, um, you know, only because – you play a game, um, you know, there's there's the science behind the 48-hour time window of practicing um, or, or not practicing. Um, so, you know, it's it's a lot of mental reps for, for all of us. And then I think we'll have – we'll probably have one day of, of uh, field practice um, to just run around and, you know, make sure everything is, is on point and on time. Uh, but outside of that, this is uh, – well, what makes these short weeks tough is a lot of these these things are mental, more mental than physical. QB1 kind of echoes the sentiment of the head coach with regards to the mental aspect of it. And you're going to hear a long soundbite here from coach thinking about chopping it up, but I kind of want to play the whole thing because it was very insightful, very good. I asked coach the exact same question. He was about four times as long as Tua. Here's McDaniel. Uh, it's, uh, um, it is a completely different challenge. You have to let go of some of... Uh, your idiosyncrasies as a coach to where maybe um, your plan is, uh, you know, it, it just adjusts everything you do. You have to keep in mind, um, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You only have a certain amount of reps. So how do you do things um, within the realm of players' comfort so they're confident, but also give an element of edge that is necessary to, to beat any NFL team? Um, you're, you're trying to balance uh, a lot of things. It is a strain. You want to talk about something that no one talks about that is so real is we are a creature of habit, right? We have the same 
orchestration of work week, and that that is where people live um, in a high stakes world of professional football. Well, we are meeting all day and putting in so much stuff on Tuesday, which is the player's day off. So that is the challenge that you enter into because they're conditioned. Even, even It doesn't matter how bad they want to. They're tired. It's like, oh, man, didn't we just play? Yes, he did. Um, so you have to really go after it. Um, that whole player day off, which is now your Wednesday and Thursday combined. Um, and then you have to um, – all of that is hard. And then you have to get up and do it again the next day, except this time you're practicing um, as you would on Thursday on a Wednesday, which is different to the, to the clock. You know, I mean, there's uh, professional athletes have – the most OCD and routine and are more routine oriented than like anybody that I've come across. Like they are regimented. That's the only way that you can maximize your physical performance. Talking about meals, um, how, uh, like stretching, um, massages, treatment, um, pools, tubs, all the different things that go into it. So that inherently is a challenge um, but when it's a, uh, uh, uncontrollable, then it's not about this is hard. It's about, okay, so then how do we, how do we, um, combat that? So, and, you know, I feel very fortunate that we have a lot of competitors that when it's explained to them through that lens, they're up for the challenge. Um, and I'm expecting some, uh, some, uh, exciting, um, football here today on the practice field. Yeah, it's going to be a long podcast here because I, that was just so good. Like, I, I loved the – he's just so self-aware of the situation and how the athlete might, you know, react to a certain situation. And that's why I think, you know, in, in addition to the great offensive scheming and game plans and quarterback, you know, knowledge, I think that's the biggest advantage the coach has is just the overall self-awareness and how to relate to the modern-day athlete. Speaking of that, this guy loves himself from Jalen Ramsey, and why wouldn't you? Also, by the way, Jalen Ramsey, AFC Defensive Player of the Week after those two picks. Where else would you go with that? He was asked about Jalen Ramsey's involvement in all the meetings and stuff this offseason, or rather this season after his injury, and how impactful that was and how that helped him drop right into the defense. Another long answer here, but he compares him to a certain movie character I think you guys will all resonate with. No, I think it's, I think it's absolutely everything. When I tell you, never in my career have I seen someone with uh, months, not weeks injury, be as involved in a team. Mind you, he had two practices under his belt with this team. So to have two practices, understand, have the wherewithal to understand your impact on people and how your injury was, I mean, our, our team was in the tank until he talked to the team and explained that, hey, I'm going to do this. And they did it each and every day. Um, you know, when your most talented players epitomize your beliefs and how to do things um, as an individual uh, with regard to yourself, but also re with regard to the entire team, um, when you have the most talent and then you exhibit the exact model of the, um, you know, of Rudy, like that's the, like the guy that you're like wow, like you have Rudy um, in a 
you know, once in a once in a generation type skill set, you know, for a guy that size and um like it 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 can't help there there's no way to avoid the ramifications for the rest of the team. You know, I think he comes back and it raises people's level of game because he's an elite player, but you also know what he did to get back here. And so then you, you know, maybe you take an extra 30 minutes to review your, um, your tip sheet that you get from your coaches the night before the game. Like the residuals are endless. Um, if you want to be a winning program that has to happen, um, or, uh, you're just wishing and hoping. So um, I can't say enough good things about that guy, one of my top three favorite players of all time, and I've only been on a game, in game situations with him, like what, four times, three? Three. Two more sound bites here. Let's go ahead and start with Vic Fangio because I'm fascinated by this concept of preparing for a player who just doesn't have a lot of tape. Uh, going back to his UConn days with one touchdown, 13 picks, and 19 games, which is still the most fascinating stat I've ever seen in sports, more so than Cal Ripken's Ironman record, more so than Nolan Ryan's six no-hitters, more so than, oh, shoot, what was the last one I had there? The Ted Williams hitting streak. The fact that Tim Boyle made the NFL after going 1-13 in touchdown-interception ratio is the greatest stat of all time. Let's go ahead and hear from Vic Fangio about how you prepare for a quarterback who has not played a lot of action in the National Football League. He played in the preseason for the Jets this year. Um, he played in Chicago some with, uh, which was the same system that he's in now because, you know, he was in Green Bay with Coach Hackett. Um, the offensive coordinator in Chicago was in Green Bay when he was there. He was with Chicago. Now he's back with Coach Hackett. So he knows the system and there's some video out there. Very last one here, a question that I wanted to ask McDaniel or Frank Smith because a couple weeks ago, McDaniel alluded to the difficulty of coming off the bench in-game for an offensive lineman. So I asked Frank Smith, why is that? And his answer, as always, very detailed, very informative. Here's Dolphins OC, Frank Smith. When you play in a group that's with you know, four other guys and you're working together and having to communicate together to do accomplish a job, it's not like you're an individual like wide receivers can work in tandem or in, in groups in, as far as their pattern they're running. You know, uh, running backs can work with the old line. The offensive line, if one of them's not in phase with the other, you know, it kind of sticks out. So to come in the middle of the game and be get into the swing of things and make sure you're communicating. They've they've already seen things going on in the game, so they may be a step ahead of you uh, as far as the, you know, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is like, hey, yo, like I remember – you know, playing in college starting three years, I mean, by the end, uh, the center and, uh, like, I didn't even, I was like, hey, and like, yep, like, it's, you don't even have to, you don't even have to really say it. You just kind of sense, because you're, you already talked during the week, so you know exactly what you should, what the other guy's thinking. I mean, the more, the closer you are, the better that occurs. So coming off the bench at that position, it is challenging, especially when you may have prepped here, there, and everywhere, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, Oh, by the way, you're going out of here, you know? So I think that's a real challenge, and that's why they train to do That's why we train the way we do to hopefully help them to be for, ready for those situations. 
Okay, let's go ahead and conclude this episode with the week 12 picks. A big week back in week 11. 11 and 3. We are so back. Losses in the LAC versus Green Bay game, Washington and New York, Minnesota and Denver. But the 11 and 3 record brings us to 115 and 51 on the year. That is 69.3%, going closer to that 70% goal we had. Or was it 72? I forget. I don't care. But get over 70 is the goal right now. And I think these picks on Turkey Day might assuage me. Is that the right word? For that goal to happen because I'm taking two touchdown underdogs on Thanksgiving. Give me Green Bay over Detroit. I don't know why. I just feel like Detroit's due for a loss, especially after that comeback win over the Bears at home, a much inferior team. Jordan Love getting a little bit hotter, playing some better football here. Still believe in his skill set. Uh, we'll take the Packers on Turkey Day. Give me Dallas over Washington. Duh. Give me Seattle over San Francisco, playing in that building on a short week for the Niners. A big game next week against the Eagles coming up. I don't know why, but give me the Seahawks with Geno Smith. Dolphins over Jets. Duh. Give me Houston over Jacksonville. I just don't think Jacksonville is... I think that the national media narrative around Miami should be on Jacksonville. I think CJ Stroud's great. I love the Texans right now. Both teams make the playoffs, but Houston gets a big win and secures division lead with a win over Jacksonville. Give me Pittsburgh over Cincinnati. I will not pick Jake Bryan to win any games this year. Give me the Saints over the Falcons in the battle of mid. Give me the Titans over the Panthers in another battle of less than mid. Give me Tampa Bay over Indy. Kind of the same story. A lot of that in the NFL right now. Give me the Patriots over the Giants. And the big game as far as uh, quarterback availability in this year's draft. Go Patriots in that one. Broncos over the Browns. Another game where I don't think either offense can do much. So another fun 17-13 game. I'll take the Broncos because they have Russell Wilson compared to a rookie in Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Give me the Cardinals over the Rams. Kyler Murray's back. He's playing good. Both those defenses are horrible. I like his chance to make bigger plays than Matthew Stafford's behind a bad Rams offensive line. Give me the Eagles over the Bills. And that would be a big victory for the Dolphins in the race for the AFC East crown to put this thing away in bed put it to bed I should say rather early give me the Chiefs over the chart uh the Raiders hopefully not that's pretty obvious to me give me the Ravens over the Chargers I hope the Chargers win that game but I think the Ravens running attack is going to be way too much for that Chargers defense to handle and then on Monday night snoozer but give me the Bears to get the upset over the Minnesota Vikings all right that is my time on this edition of the drive time podcast you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. But first, before that, you all have a very, very happy Thanksgiving because it's a great time of year. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the food. Enjoy your football. And let's go ahead and get one message here from my little girl. Happy Thanksgiving. Ah, she's the best. I love that little kid. All right. Subscribe, rate, review, follow all that fun stuff. Fish Tank, check us out on the YouTube channel for the Bradley Chubb Breakdown. Please go click on that seven or eight times and give us some better reviews than that so we can do it more often for you all in the future. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline Cameron, Daddy's coming home to eat key lamb pie and hang out with y'all.